This is so exciting, isn't it? Yeah, actually, yeah. You, you know, you've been talking about this for a while. Now it's in fruition. You know, and you've always had people. You know, people work. You know, believe in you and that sort of thing. You know, because hey, I know my journey has been varied too. I learned a lot. Learned a lot from my mistakes. Even and, Nadia. Yes. So we'll do a little quick introduction. Okay. We can just all introduce ourselves. Um, hello. I'm Samuel Andre Burns, better known in Washington, D.C. as Sam the Man Burns. Uh, I didn't give myself that name. Someone else did. <laughs> yeah, I like how you clarified that, though. You have to clarify at all times. <laughs> this is how you should have the interview with me. Exactly. They'll be shocked. <laughs> Some people, I didn't know he smoked. That's crazy. Oh, I walk in neighborhoods and they'd be like, 5 0, man, 5 0. <laughs> like, no. Uh, uh, the 50th state? Uh, okay. Without statehood? I don't think so. I know. I know. You think I'm a cop? <laughs> it sucks when you get older and people think you're the police, man. It's happened to me too. I'm like, no, I'm cool. I, I promise. Ask my friends. Well, actually, that's good. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're keeping up your appearances and hygiene. Right, right. Now, if I was dirty and funky, oh, right. hey, cuz, you all right? I got you, cuz. <laughs> I got you. All right, Nadia, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. <laughs> Can I make a disclaimer before I introduce myself? Sure. Go ahead, sure. So, this is my very first time. Mm-hmm. Doing a podcast. So you got to get a little closer to the microphone. This is my very first time doing a podcast, Dang. and um, therefore I'm not liable or responsible for <laughs> my F-ups. Oh, okay. We know that. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, we know that. With that said, <laughs> hi. Hi. And what's your Come name? Here. My name is Nadia Knight. Nice to meet you all. Nadia Knight. It is nice to have you here with us today, Nadia. Mm, yes. For this very impromptu podcast that we decided to make happen. Would you like a cup? No, thanks. So, yeah. So we uh, we were just uh, in the office working, talking about the Indiegogo campaign that we're going to launch so that we can uh, hopefully rally some support to build out the rest of the studio. And lo and behold, Sam the Man Burns knocked on our door. Yes, I was thinking about you, Molly. That's right. And in typical T Street fashion, I leaned out the window from the second floor and I said, Damn Burns! I was... Molly, yes! Yeah, T Street is still alive and well. Oh, still alive. Man, you don't know how many times I just get goosebumps sitting in this building thinking about, you know, all the things that we're going to do. Mm-hmm. But all the things that have already happened on this block, and we are really yeah. just upholding a legacy, mm-hmm. you know. You're um, putting in time and work. It's a pretty amazing thing, honestly. So it's an honor to have Sam Burns here. My name is Molly Roland. I am the founder of One Love Massive, and uh, the uh, the most unskilled engineer in the building. But I'm getting better every time. Heart and soul. That's right. I love it. I love it. 
So today, um, we're just going to kind of talk a little bit, and then I'm going to ask Sam to record some drops and do some other shit. But, you know, we just figured since we had Sam in the building, why don't we have a little DC Minute? And a DC Minute isn't actually a minute because we don't really care about time. Yeah, it's a little slower. It's like, it's gotten faster because, you know, New York Minute was like, pow! Bam! And that was it. You know, get to the point. Right. Here, you know, we talk about parks, rivers, <laughs> streams, streams, bike riding. Tributary. Oh, absolutely. The museums. Right. You could take your time here, but then more populated it became and more... Uh, could I say certain words like assholios? Oh, yeah, you can say assholios that were coming in, you know, privileged and, you know, just privileged from anywhere. So it's not only white people that's privileged, but there's a lot of people of color that are privileged because they come from families with old money. And you shouldn't be angry if I'm talking about you because you can go to places that I can't go. (laughs) Tell it like it is, Sam Burns. I'm just waiting for their reaction. (laughs) But anyway, um, yeah, you know, my relationship with uh, Molly, I've always looked at her in an admiring way because you got a woman that's on the front line making things happen. And it's no quitting her. You know, I've seen her, you know, on the ropes, you know, and she came back. Because some people will quit, you know, when things get hard. And uh, I don't know, it's just the bloodline of yours that's, uh, that comes back. But we are definitely sponsored by Jameson. <laughs> you know, Every day. Especially with the bloodline of Molly Ruler. That's right. That's right. Jameson is a good conversational elixir. <laughs> no, I'm claiming. <laughs> I'm I'm claiming my cousins, the Irish. Okay, they can tell you some stories about racism. I mean, deep stories and make other folks wake up. But but we're one love massive, and uh, we we'll speak the truth. But sometimes we can get so passionate that some people might think. Uh, we're hating. No. You know, sometimes people, they cry tears, but sometimes they cry blood. And don't get confused with that. You know, there's a lot of pain that goes through a lot of people. And, and uh, especially people who believe in something, they're going to keep pushing. You know? Uh, that's what champions uh, are made of. You know, you got to keep pushing. You got to keep believing in yourself because nobody else will. I mean, some of you out there right now, uh, you know, feel like your your back is is up against the wall, but you got to believe in yourself. I mean, really believe in yourself. I don't care if you just get up every day and look at that person in the mirror and say, you know, I'm the best there is, or I'm the the best candidate or the best. I shouldn't say that right now. So the wounds are still still fresh, too fresh, too fresh. Say words like that, candidate. Campaign, you can't do that, not now. But, um, you know, you have to convince yourself that you can do it. Um, so what? You, you're lost. Well, it's a new day. 
You know, you win some, you lose some, but you got to keep doing it. And uh, that is the uh, trait that I love about Molly Rulin, you know. There's people that probably work with her and might have a falling out, but she keeps it one love massive and she uh, keeps going. It doesn't stop her or destroy her. And uh, sometimes people, a passion gets... uh, misunderstood you know uh, one thing molly taught me i said you can't you just can't uh tell me how i should feel you know and i and i thought about it and i said you're right it's like letting somebody grieve let somebody feel the way they do let them process it in their own way and uh in my lifetime, you know, it was times I wanted to quit, quit, and I kept asking myself questions, but not realizing that I was processing and I was adapting, and I realized I couldn't be selfish. It's not all about me. There's other DJs that's in this town, other artists that's in this town, feel like quitting, but that's the love keeps you going, and that's... uh Another thing of Molly Rulin's One Love Massive, because everybody that comes in, her doors believe in something, has a dream, and Molly could see that. And um, I feel the same way. And, uh, you know, I uh, my thing with you, Molly, is that uh, it's, when it's business, it's business. When it's personal, it's personal. And a lot of people get that confused, you know. Uh, some people don't know how to talk to somebody. Say, look, tell them the truth. Like, look, I'm, I need this and I need that. And uh, Molly's uh, straight up honest with you and let you know. And sometimes some people have too much expectations and, and really screw themselves on that, you know. Um, and another uh, great trait that I love about you is your work ethic. You know, your grind is like, I can't think of anybody's grind. I mean, people who don't know this woman, I'm telling you, she goes through a lot of um, pain. But with the pain, it's, it's, it's so universal in her body. She, she hates injustice. I mean, she hates injustice. I remember her and I would just sit up and chit-chat and talk for hours and and how much she felt she showed so much passion when um oh what's his name the cooper uh pa- yeah, jay cooper jay cooper passed away and um uh, i knew jay from um teen summit yeah and i remember just seeing him around the community and when he started to run i felt some kind of way i, I it felt like if anybody's dc as fuck is that kid. Jay Cooper. Man. You know what I mean? He believed in this town. And um, when Marion Barry uh, had passed away, I was shook. I was shook because I'm born and raised here in Washington, D.C. And he had a program for the arts here in Washington, D.C. In 1973, I was 16 years old. Um, learning about pride and dignity from the movies that I was seeing in the 70s. And they were, you know, black films. 
Some were black exploitation. Some were just good films, good action films, and stuff like that. And we got to see dignified, smart uh, men and women who fought for something. They were on the front line, and they were our heroes: Jim Brown, Fred Williamson, uh, Jim Kelly. Uh, Richard Roundtree, Bernie Casey, Robert Hooks. Uh, I've seen these alpha men on the screen. And uh, they came uh, more in vogue in the 70s after Sidney, Sidney Poitier, and some other actors who broke the door down. But we were seeing superheroes. We were seeing, you know, after the smoke cleared, there was the man standing. And the same thing with women. And it was... If you look at it now, you don't see that. It's almost, um, it's more realistic, but we don't see those alpha images on the screen, and we need to see more of that. Uh, images are everything. Um, women get it, you know, catch hell for the images. Uh, instead of let women be, you know, I find minds beautiful. And I'm speaking for myself. Minds are beautiful. You know, um, I'm just kind of that, that type of human being. I'm like fans of people, uh, what they do. Um, but I, I got off track about Marion Barry. <laughs> uh, but Marion Barry gave us programs uh, for, it was the Careers of Arts. And the Careers of Arts was um, an excellent uh, summer job for me because I can paint, draw, create uh over the summer and i got paid for it and it was just so encouraging and years before i was drawing pictures all the time that my father encouraged me he said and he called me by my middle name he said andre why don't you send some of your drawings to these people who make these comic books and stan lee was like you know i love stan lee because what he wrote and and what he did, you had more women uh, superheroes in his, you know, in his comic books, interesting characters. You had the first um, black character as the Black Panther uh, came in 1966. Uh, you had Luke Cage, um, uh, the Falcon. You had those, and they weren't in... DC Comics. If they were in DC Comics, it was always somewhat corny and that kind of thing. But anyway, I sent my artwork to Stan Lee. And about two months later, two months to a kid waiting for mail is like an eternity. And the amazing thing that he responded to me. And Stan Lee basically said, he says, I'm impressed with you and your talent at such a young age. At the time, I was like 10 or 11. And I was just astounded by it. And that's really good. But unfortunately, I couldn't let you you draw a comic for me. We had deadlines and such, such, such. And, but you need experience and, and go to school to hone your craft and learn. And, you know. and I took it. I was like, wow. And he says, keep doing what you're doing. And this is Stan Lee for right. a young geek like me. And I was like, yeah. You know, and meant something. Yeah. So I was drawn to people who were very creative had ideas, I always, you know. And that summer, I, I was making money at 73 and for this uh, career of arts. 
And then I had this person explain art to me. So art is not only what you're sketching and uh, writing down. It's everything of the humanity. And he, when he mentioned humanity, I thought about everybody who, uh, uh, people who spoke in front of people and who uh, knew how to talk to an audience. And so anytime Ruby D and Ozzy Davis came to town, I wanted to see them because their voice was so commanding. And I was always interested in just the arts, with someone speaking, dancing, or whatever. So I guess that's kind of like with, with me right now, I, that I love people's humanity. Right. You know, and that's just been, you know, that's just been extra, uh, been the extra thing for me in this town. It's so unique. There's so many creative people who are, who are living here, some people who are left, and some people who are actually coming to this town. So if you're coming to Washington D.C., contribute, right? Help, help it grow. Mm -hmm. uh, support the local acts, and that's what Molly's been doing. Um, don't get it twisted. You know, if it's if you're immature, if you're Im I'm going to speak loudly on this. If you're immature, thinking that everything is going to be great, is not going to be for you. You have to be mature. To deal with the janky promoters, <laughs> dealing with, you know, uh, shady people and fake people in this business. Everybody wants something. You know, if you're doing a show, make sure you keep your fans, your fans, and don't fuck your fans because your fans might fuck you. You understand? So all these adulations, everything, don't get all twisted up and you got to stay focused in this business. Some people could pay you, and then some people can't. So you need to know the difference and make your decision before you put it on a dotted line or do that dotted line on your heart. So you got to go at it slow, but if you want to make the money, be organized. I said organized. Have your shit together before you sign the dotted line. Now, if you're going to catch attitude and catch feelings, Okay, you, you're obligated to that. But nobody owes you anything in this business but money. Do you hear me? Because if it's about money, yes. But favors and all that other stuff and getting feelings and assuming, they ain't going to help you. That's not going to help you. It may help you once in a while, but take it as a blessing. And just don't take shit for granted. <laughs> don't take it for granted. Because uh, life is short. And I'll say this. 2016. Yeah. yeah 2016. It's over. Uh, Soon. Yeah. Soon. Well, Sam Burns, you know, uh, you've been DJing in this town for a long time. You've certainly earned your chops and your and your rights. So, you know, I, I hope that the young DJs uh, li are listening to your your words of advice to the young creatives or even the old creatives. Yes, yeah, so right? I was gonna throw them in because right? you know, <laughs> if they're listening, you know, they they're not doing anything. They got a lot of time on their hands right now. <laughs> For all your older older cats out there, um, women and men, um, you know, it's an art and a craft. Think about it. It's an art and a craft, and don't take it so seriously. Why is this and why is that? Well answer the question and do something about it 
just don't take yourself so seriously unless you're on the front line like Molly ruling. She's on the front line. And sometimes people be complaining, but it's her money that she's putting up. You know, if anybody's getting a loss, it'd be her. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know, that's curb your enthusiasm. You know, I mean, it is what it is, but I tell you what, you're going to learn a lot. Well, sometimes we definitely learn a lot when it's a failure. <laughs> <laughs> you internalize and that sort of thing. And as I tell you that. <laughs> a little Jameson break. Pause for mm. the cause. Brought to you by Jameson. <clears throat> John James. Good Lord. Jameson. Jameson, if you hear me, I'm open for sponsorship opportunities. Yes, and I'm a rookie at drinking Jameson, but you're in the presence of a champion. So, yeah, uh, some people use it for other reasons and creative reasons, and other people to fill up that hole of the pain. Oh, there's no hole of pain. <laughs> well, I'm only speaking for the ones who <laughs> have to cl- plug that hole up. <laughs> Somebody said, I had a rough day. Would you like some Jameson? Oh, hell yeah, I need some Jameson. Yeah. Ten, 10, 20 minutes later, oh, thank you. I got to go get me some Jameson. J-A-M-E-S-O-N. Okay. Jameson. It's like a Jameson, but Jameson. The E is, you know, Jameson. I actually haven't had Jameson in a while. I, like, gave up on bourbons, and I kind of been just drinking whites, like, you know, Belvedere, Grey Goose. I mean, still still cognacs, though, like Hennessy. But I gave up on the Jacks, and I don't know. See, all I drink is Jameson. I don't drink any of the other things. Mm, I gotta try it again. Well, lately I've been having variety, but today it's Jameson. That's right. <laughs> I know I would be feeling so good if I just had a couple shot of those. Exactly. Jeez. I mean, no peer pressure. I feel like you're doing it to yourself right <laughs> Molly now. Sh- Molly shook her cup, by the way. She I know. Like, exactly. She shakes <laughs> her cup. Can you guys hear that in the microphone? Sorry, I'm kind of. Yeah. Relax. There's no need to apologize in okay. this room. Yeah, you did make a disclaimer. Hello, hello. <laughs> First time. I mean, here's the thing, it's very impromptu and you know, we can edit things out later, but I don't you know, I don't wanna be the kind of studio that we edit things out because like we are who we are and like right. you know, bumps, bruises and all. And every time I listen to a podcast that I was involved in, I'm like, Jesus woman, clear your throat and enunciate your words. But you know what? The reality is, this is how I talk all the time. I yeah. mean, this is who I am, right? Like, you know, this is, we are who we are. And like, it's a beautiful thing. Like, uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So it, it's a good lesson in, ex- in self love, right? And uh, yeah, just, it has to be self love. You know, accepting, uh, if you sound like a 90 year old bullfrog, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take this opportunity. Clear my throat. A 90-year-old bullfrog on anybody's show. You know? It's great. Jeremiah. I don't know who'd be Jeremiah. (laughs) Jeremiah the bullfrog. It's a lot of frogs. All I know is that people call me sir at the drive-thru a lot. (coughs) Yeah. Like on the phone or like, I don't really go to fast food anymore, but like on the phone they call me sir quite often. That happened to my friend and... uh, she told me a story about it, and she has a very deep voice. Yeah. 
and uh, she wrote up, gave her order. It says, it's, um, you want a double, ma'am? God damn it. You know, so God damn it. I'm not a man. I'm a ma'am. <laughs> You're a man? Oh, shit. <laughs> she drives up there. I'm a woman. And he's oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's so funny. I just think it's funny. Yeah. I don't get mad about it because it happens well, too see, often. Well, see, this story that she told me it was like 10 years ago. So, right, right. Uh, sometimes it, it uh, you know, and I'm like, oh, God, not again. Not again. Not again. It but, happens to me like twice a week. So, um, but I'm, yeah, but I'm you're used to it. it. You kind of laugh at it, and then some people can tell. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know the only time I really get mad if it's like a bill collector and they're doing it, just <laughs> like, fuck with me. And I'm like, yo, you're looking at my name. Oh, like, why you are you, you, you see my name is Molly. Why are you keep calling me, sir? Like, we going to fight. Oh, you had to we say don't have problems and collector. Yeah, exactly. You know, actually, I feel like I have a deep voice, too, for a woman. And there are so many benefits, actually, to having, like, a certain tone. Yeah. Um, I think I was reading this study that was saying, like, oh, men respond to, I don't even know what the percentages were, but um, it was ultimately saying that men, their responses to a higher-pitched sounding woman likely to cause them more stress. Oh, <laughs> oh! It was something weird like that. So, like you know, I mean, just I, um, yeah, yeah, that annoys me too. I'm but like, did you know that uh, that pitch also get other women uh, stressed out and they hate each other and they fight? It just maybe somebody just sounding whiny gets on somebody's nerves. But well, it's all part of the like, construct because women have been told like to, you know we're not validated that it's that whole vocal fry thing where. Women like elevate their voice to be to be less like uh, domineering and less bossy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I'm sorry. And like, the, I don't even think women are doing like, right. uh, you know, no, not even not on purpose. Anything. Exactly. Like, it's just how you you are. We're I know. programmed that way. Everything about everything we've ever been shoveled is to be. I like, call it more brainwashing. It's you know, it's just stupid. Yeah. It's, but I mean, it's what we've been taught our whole lives is like, be quiet and be fuckable. Just shut the fuck up. Well, I I heard I heard women say that about some men. I mean, I mean, some women say that about some men. I just wish you just shut up. (laughs) Just shut up. Damn, just (laughs) fuck shit up. Um, I can't even have sex with him no more. He just he's just too clean. It's just you're so fucking. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to take responsibility for the Jameson. (laughs) No, Jameson. It's good. This is a good uh, podcast. But, uh, no, uh, to be on the, you know, I'm on the same team because women that I loved were women with uh, deeper voices. And I remember, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, the actress, I'm trying to remember. Um, oh, I like the, what's her name on the the Golden Girls? Um, B. Arthur. B. Arthur. I loved her. You know, because I could listen to her voice all the time. And it's like, I can listen to Viola Davis read the telephone book to me because her voice right. is commanding, you know. And you right. and and the thing is, um, you know, um, I've always been attracted to you know women who that I was gonna I can listen to talk, and I was you know mentioned to her. I mean, that's important. For yeah, a for partner, anybody. you definitely want to be able to listen uh, yeah, to them in general. But, if she did the British accent, I said, oh, no. Yeah. There's a black love- woman doing a British accent or has a British accent. has always been a weakness for me. 
as a, you know, as a kid, you know, I'm serious. Cause I remember Marshall hunt. Oh, I'm fine. Now. Don't worry about it. I'm just, just telling you, just telling you this information. I just looked at Molly. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I'll tell you what you're selling right now. looked over here and gave me like, I think, I think you got a guilty conscience. No. She overthinks. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinks too much. What? She didn't even say nothing. I, I, oh. You're I'm okay. I, then she has these conversations with herself and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> have a conversation. You know, uh, no, I was probably not even thinking about that. No. <laughs> that was a pregnant moment. Quick, quick <laughs> pregnant moment. <laughs> I gotta use that one. What is what does that mean? Quick a, pregnant moment. Well, you know, a pregnant moment. It's like. So where did that come from? A pregnant pause. Yes, you know the moment. It's like getting ready. Uh, boom! Anticlimax. Yeah. Oh yeah, almost like somebody said, "All right, brain fart." You know, you have different analogies. I use like the pre- the pregnant moment, you know, because the birth of the idea is actually coming out. <laughs> go so sam burns let me ask you a question what is the what is your fondest dj djing in dc memory i'm sure there's a million but if you if you had to just like spin the the roulette wheel of uh, sam burns memory you know you're still gonna have some a fun uh just memorable nights. Um, in a nutshell, whew, it's crazy. I mean, some years. I mean, it's sometimes it's just nonstop, uh, and some some gigs are just the craziest to get to and leave and go to another one. I did one with you. Uh, it was uh, it was it was uh, New Year's. Played at Jimmy Valentine's for the first time. And then it was the bus. They had a bus. Took me down to was it the uh, with a little whiskey? Uh, oh yeah, little Miss oh, whiskey. I forgot Miss, little Miss whiskey. I forgot about that party. Yeah, little Miss whiskey. And it was funny as I don't know what. It was ebb and flow throughout the whole night, and just getting back home, it was fun. <laughs> uh, you know, I have had a lot of memories. Um, but I, you know, I think my fondest memories was right before I started DJing. I was working at a club called Chapter Two, and it was my first first roundabout job. I was in school. I was at UDC. I was a a commercial arts student, what they call advertising design. But I was ready to change my major to fine arts, and I was asked to work on the door. And one particular evening, it was a young lady that was uh, I was uh, dating at the time. She was at the club, and, you know, we ended up back at the house, and we was talking, and she said, I don't know if I'm going to come back to your, to the club that you're working at. I said, why? That place is weird. I said, what do you mean weird? Well, there was a woman that was in the bathroom, and, she got in the stall, and I heard her say, "Ooh, child, this water is cold." 
And um, but she didn't know that was a, a man and who was sitting down, and, you know, in drag at the time, you know. And that little moment was like funny to me. And I, I can recall like playing at the clubhouse, uh, where moments where I've never felt that way. In my life, I'm talking about to the point that my skills had gotten so much better, and my timing, and my reassurance, and my confidence, and everything was just coming together. And I was playing, and I and at the moment I realized that I had arrived, where years prior to that I might have struggled, but there the system was set up differently, and so I had to challenge myself. And be consistent. And all I did was practice, 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 and listen to everybody. When I started listening to everybody, I, I um, had more respect for not only for what I did, but had respect for what everybody else was doing. You know, uh, because this was a nightclub business, I realized I'm playing in one club. I'm not playing in everybody's damn club. I'm playing here, and I don't make everybody feel good that's walking in those doors. I'm trying to. Uh, keep them happy take their minds off of things and i've always been like that ever since and i realize anybody who's playing male or female has that responsibility and uh you know i I have so many fun stories i remember uh playing um at a few clubs where you know people were you know basically uh dry sexing on the dance floor but that was at a period in time when uh, people were dancing <laughs> and not worried about what they looked like uh, uh, and they were doing unless they were in a lifestyle. But uh, people were having lifestyles back then before they could even identify it. So now it's, you know, everybody's important. Everybody's important. There's no wrong feeling important, but, you know, social media uh, even take you off the a task of being on a podcast and uh, being on the on your cell phone doing a podcast, and I can uh, tell you every single thing you just said. You know, you probably that anybody who hangs around um, Molly is extraordinary. They have talents. You know, it's Molly's like the a superhuman. Yeah, it's a you know like the X Men. You know, you have uh, <laughs> Professor X. You know, uh, you have Professor Y and Z right here in front of you. You know, <laughs> honing your mutant skills, and also she makes sure. You keep a smile on your face. We're having Jameson. That's right. And James, may, your, may the roads always rise to meet your feet. Yes. And may the Jameson always find its way in your cup. Uh, I don't think that's the official Irish blessing, but it should be. That's a blessing. That works. That's a blessing for yeah. somebody who's sipping and feeling better about themselves and, and then feel like crap later on. But anyway, you should be in bed. <laughs> feel like crap later on. So, Sam... Mm. Let's talk about, I want to talk about new DC uh-huh. versus old DC, uh-huh. specific references. Um, 14th Street <laughs> in 1975. What was going on on a typical Friday night on 14th Street, like between like N and W uh, in 1975? Well, if you want the, the best action, you should go down. To 14th and K. Yeah. Yeah, because on the corners back then, 
they were scantily clad women uh, walking on 14th and K. Let's fast forward it to a Friday and Saturday night, 2016, at, at uh, 14th and K. You still see women scantily clad in front of the park nightclub, and they, they're having a good time, but uh, they're just looking. For they're the long-term package. They're looking for yes, bottle but, service. Yeah, but, but anyway, yeah, uh, n- a nice warm body and a, a good alibi. But uh, back then, it was prostitutes on every corner. I mean, you had squads of prostitutes. And, I mean, it, you have the Green Bay Packers and on, one, on one corner, the Kansas City Chiefs. And then in a section, you might have the girls in the intersection, you know, doing the risky Risky uh, uh, trade uh, from Washington, D.C., the uh, Redskins. And uh, so there was just all these teams of girls. And then you see the uh, the pimps. The pimps, they'd be looking like the Whispers and the Manhattans. Looking like the old 70s singing groups, you know, with the attire. Looking like, you know, pimps. But uniform pimps, uh, you know. But um, they were, you know, they were some unusual pimps. And when I say unusual, they dressed differently from the other pimps. The other ones had this double knit nut huggers, uh, uh, nut hugging uh, pants on, and then but this guy's wearing like, you know, like Italian and European stuff, you know, and driving around in a Lancer, you know, European cars that just, you know, the women he had were like white girls, <laughs> and and you know that was a different. Different thing, you know. It was just a kind of a wild period. But back then in the seventies, it was you know more carefree. You know the the disco nightclubs, more dance oriented clubs, not the kind of socializing, you know, the cocktail and you know talking and that kind of thing. Uh, there were discos where people went out and danced and expressed themselves. Where were those? Oh, there were several. I can tell you, there was the Plum. The Plum was like right off of uh, 20, 22nd, 20, 22nd and L. Like Georgetown? No, not even uh, Georgetown yet. Oh, okay. But it was really cool. That was like the Disco Disco Club. They had okay. the uh, Disco. Well, that's like DuPont. Yeah, 20, yeah. yeah, they had you know more the the dance contest. The Disco Disco Clubs. What that's is that club. now? Do you know? Probably a condo, but. um No. Uh, I think uh, it's a uh, wow. You know, I haven't been over there in a while, but there's no <laughs> nightclub there. Um, there was Tiffany's. Uh, before that, it was Zanzibar. Oh. Frank Polar owned that club. Uh, there was the L.A. Cafe, Tiffany's, uh, the Chapter Two. Uh, there was uh, the Beret. Uh, there are so many. Spots Leviticus, Sagittarius, uh, the Buck Stops Here, uh, the French Underground, uh, the Mark IV. Oh, wow. I'm this the cobwebs are coming off. That's but, amazing. I've never heard of any of those clubs. Well, yeah, they were before. I hate to say this, you know, I never thought I'd say this when you know, when you're a kid. Yeah, it was before your time. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're talking about nightclubs and not like you know, wars. <laughs> well. Could be worse. <laughs> That's true. There's no, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Got real quiet. Yeah, I got real Same quiet. I, that, I think <laughs> I have to reset right now. Damn, James.
<laughs> Speaking of which, can I have that bottle? Oh, of course you can. So, okay, so what about um, 14th Street in the 80s? What was it like? Well, you still had some women of the night strolling around and picking up uh, men and, you. you know, exchanging, if, you know, that kind of thing. You know how it is. Yeah, but it was cleaning up, and uh, the 80s was, yeah, it was still still a little nutty, especially, you know, uh, it was still somewhat a carefree time uh, until the mid-80s when, you know, some people put on the brakes screechingly, and some of them just kind of pumped the brakes a little bit. T- tapped them. They tapped them, and, and they didn't make it to, into the 90s. <laughs> they didn't put on the brakes they tapped it and kept going past Kareem yeah, 88 like you know it was 88 you know they're still pumping the brakes you know 89 and it was like hey nothing happened yet and they're like 90 you know and then 91 it was like bam bam and then it was like 91 that's when it all went down no this for that fool who didn't put the uh, brakes on this uh, I'm, I'm not speaking I'm speaking for sweet. What, what was 14th Street like in 1967? Well, it was vibrant. Uh, uh, it was vibrant because, you know, there was a lot of black businesses that were going on. Uh, and they were thriving. Uh, when downtown D.C., when I said downtown D.C., the shops and everything opened up there, mm-hmm. uh, some of us went down there. And, uh, but when I say vibrancy, anything that was happening, black. When I say black, you know, black is a standing color, but also it was black pride. You know, we're no longer a Negro. We were black because that was much more, you know, black power. And they even changed in Africa. You know, you had artists like Fela. Uh, um, right. You know, and Fela is like, you know, checking out James Brown. Right. You know, of the funk. But over here, we had black power. So to sort of understand the movement and that sort of thing, you know, I think a lot of people need to read during that passage of James Brown, uh, as far as about the movement. Uh, he was uh, a leader, whether he knew it or not. But at the same time, you know, when you do a song as themic as Say It Loud and I'm Black and I'm Proud, even today, it still reverberates. Um, but it was about black pride, not the word black. It was black pride at the time going natural was imperative instead of having your hair processed, you know, for so long and that does so much damage to you, but accept and embrace your blackness and embrace your hair, embrace who you are. And that was empowering. And what I said earlier, I kind of went off the rails. Those those movies was empowering to a lot of us, and uh, which you know a lot of us face almost the same problems, but we can't deal with Hollywood about doing it. We have to do it ourselves, and social media is uh, giving us that power. We have so many voices all over the world. I mean, so many different cultures and people are on podcasts talking about whatever that, that that's on their minds. At one point in time, we couldn't do that. The media, yeah. you know, 
So yeah, we, we have can a lot put more this fun. on the internet, and anybody anywhere in the world can listen to it. Twenty minutes from now, if yes. they really wanted to. Yeah, one love. Yeah. <laughs> one love. Exactly. You know that's uh, so important. You know, there's so many people to sh- who shares your idealism around the world. Uh, sometimes you you go through things. Oh God. Oh God. I didn't realize that somebody is feeling the same way as you do, and that's reassuring. Mm-hmm. That's really sure because a lot of us don't want to do something you believe that is in vain. That's the worst feeling. You know, I've done this for nothing. But uh, if you believe in something, go for it. You know, don't live with any regrets. You know, do what you want to do. Fulfill your fantasies. Fulfill your dreams. Do that. Because if you have children or, you know, nieces and nephews, you know, even though they might not be your flesh and blood, but then it is flesh and blood, you know, that's inspiring, you know? And I always, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm always accepting change. You know, I was talking to you earlier about, you know, um, Hillary Clinton. I, I wanted to have a woman president at the time, and it's not right. Uh I missed you before. I like uh, Elizabeth Warren. And, you know, she's hard ass. You know, we lost Janet Reno. You know, I need I need to see a Barbara Stanwyck <laughs> hard ass woman that is, you know, hey, fellas, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember. It was a um, senator. Gosh, she was running out of. Uh, Texas. I believe her name is Ann Ann Richards. Ann Richards. I fell in love with this woman. She looked like Minnie Pearl, and but her her candor was just as salty or even more saltier. And she caught my attention. But the good old boys, the Democrats and Republicans, loved her. And if people don't know. Who this woman is, go online and look at Ann Richards. And I'm telling you, she's a very, she was a very, well, she still is in my heart, a very entertaining, uh, pragmatic woman. So I, I wish people would just think about human beings and stop, gen, you know, genders. None of that's played out. You know, you know what I mean? Sheroes that pop up on television, on the screen that inspires men. Oh, boys, the person who created Wonder Woman is a man. I didn't know that. Yes, is a man. And, you you know, you know, when they say God created woman, I think about man created woman also. Because sometimes it's male or female. It's, you know, it's who you like. You know, who you envision, what type a woman that that will uh, embody your dreams or what your ideal of a woman is. It's going to be different with every person. You know, some, peop- some women are always objectified, but that's how we're taught or brainwashed. You know, it's more... It's always been women have been objectified, but it's more now because it's like cookie cutter. But if there, if you see just the essence of the human being is far more important 
than what you see on a picture or a quote. You know, I mean, you think about Maya Angelou. You know, she came even greater <laughs> as she became older. Same thing in Nina Simone, Joan Baez. You got to think about, you know, women who die too soon. You know, Janis Joplin, Minnie Ripperton, you know. But they will always be forever, forever young because we never saw the decline. Uh, Amy Winehouse fits that bill. She's forever young, you know. And as depressing as it is, there's lessons in that. But you think, the thing is, appreciate, appreciate someone's talent now. Don't wait. You know, people took, you know, I felt a lot of people took Prince for granted because, you know, one, he was always there, but a lot of people didn't know what he was doing musically because they were too lazy to go find out what he was doing musically. And he had to make a deal with Arista, and he came out with the album Musicology and got grave reviews for it. You know, I mean, he went in areas they hadn't been in a while for us, but areas that he's never been in. You know, cuts like Cinnamon Girl, even though it's very catchy, but it's a great song. Great song. 2016, you know, that, but that was a wake up call, too. And I realized that, you know, all these people, oh, I'm a you know, Prince, Prince fan. And I think some of them liked him more when he peaked at that period, but not paying attention to other stuff that he was doing, you know. And I was a semi-Prince fan, but I became more of a fan later as I saw his performances and then hanging around people who were real Prince fanatics. You know what I mean? They were fans, you know, sure for uh, fanatics, but they would just turn me on, and I would see like concerts and stuff like that, and see him again, and I'm always reminded on how great, you know, Prince was, and uh, you know that I, you know, I just tell people the arts is the weapon for peace. Mm, say that again. Arts. Are the weapons for peace? Yes, <laughs> I think that's a quote. That's like a yeah, it is a super quotable. I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is because you think about it. Even people who are ready to fight, if you think about before people went into battle, they danced and celebrated before they went into battle because it calmed them down, and they were also bonded with the other soldiers. You know, it's like if you're bonded with somebody that you work with, you know how much magic you can create with that? It's so much magic in that. And even who you're bonded with, no one can take away those moments. You can look at them in the eyes, say, you remember that time and that sort of thing. And it's reassuring, especially if you're doing it, it's reassuring to let you know you didn't do this in vain. So, I, you know, I, I uh, appreciate all the people that have been in my life, gave me opportunities and stuff. I've always come and visit, you know, visit them. Like today, I'm here yep, with, with Ma- Molly, you know. And, uh, you know, I've always thought about her and, you know, had her in my mind and, you know, always, like, checked out her posts. And I understood 
And I always remember the day he said, you can't tell me how I should feel. You can't. And I said, yeah, you're right. You know, you, let you grieve, let you process it. And well, you know, you know, the backstory to that is, you know, as a woman, you understand, like when things happen, especially when people behave badly, like the, like people will tell a woman like, well, don't let it bother you. Don't be upset. Like, and that, and it's like, especially when you're the victim of something like shouldn't tell the victim how to feel or what to do. You should be addressing those behaviors with the, with the person who caused the problems. But that's what we do is we tell people who are on the end of things, like how to feel and like, Oh, don't worry about it. Like you, well, you know, like it's like, it's like with anything. If you have a gambling problem or a drinking problem or an eating problem or whatever, that's just being like, Oh, well don't do that. Well, gee, thanks for fucking saying that. Now that you've, you know, Hit me with your magic wand, I will stop feeling that. Like, it's not even possible, you know? And especially as women, like, we're constantly, like, you know, because, you know, people can't really handle that. And so it's just, like, you know, even when people have the best of intentions, when they're, like, well, don't worry about it and don't let it bother you and don't even think about it. It's, like, you know, it devalidates the situation, you know what I mean? Like, you know, this is why a lot of women are, like, attacked and shit because nobody believes them. They're, like, no, it's not that serious. Like, no, no, it really... It it really is. Um, so I appreciate that you were you remember that, Tim. Yeah. No. I mean, you and I always had some, you know, really good deep conversation because you were real. You know, you was real with me, and uh, it was it was really funny and uh, a lot of life's lessons. You know, it's like, you know, uh, I tell you, it was a little side story. Uh, Molly was always saying this to me. She said, hey, you know. He's a grown-ass man. You should know about this. He kept mentioning grown-ass man. So I had this book by Cedric D. Entertainer. It was called Grown-Ass Man. So what I did, I put it, left it on her desk. So she came down, she saw the book, and saw the title of it. <laughs> she was busting out laughing. Grown-ass and, man. And then it was like, she was saying, uh, Hey, you guys, uh, y'all come out in this bathroom. You know, y'all got to clean up. Y'all pissing all over the damn place. And I said, yeah, I'm sorry. I need to be acting like a grown-ass man. <laughs> you boys, man, I'll tell you. Uh, I was like, me and Jeremy, we was like, look, we got to tighten up. We got we to grow up in here. We got to be some grown-ass man down uh-huh. here. Uh-huh. So, ain't your mom and ain't your maid. Yeah, it was funny because now that I had to clean up in the bathroom, uh, I had to come after Lily. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, I'm gonna be a grown ass folks. I want just sitting here. And I'll talk to I'll talk to Lily and Lily give me this look like this. <laughs> then after a while Lily just come around and sit around me and stuff. And then Mama come home. Lily you been a good girl. Lily look at me. I'm like, yeah, she's been good. <laughs> yeah, Lily. Lily's a lot of fun. I'm up here kind of tearing up thinking about them ties. And let me know that old Sam is gone to Aww. Kitty Heaven. That was my man. Aww. Had Sam in my lap. And Jeremy calling, hey, Sam. I get up thinking he's calling me. <laughs> Cat gets up thinking of calling him too. <laughs> Usually it was his he's calling me to see if Sam was upstairs. So yeah, I miss I miss him. 
Actually, I miss Jeremy too. Yeah, he just came back for a visit recently. Yeah, I remember. What was it? Probably three years ago, Jeremy hit me up for me DJ at his yeah. at his party at Flash. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, sure, anything for you. <laughs> yeah, but this is One Love Master sponsored. Well, not yet. Irish whiskey. That's right. Jameson. We're open, Jameson. We're open for sponsorships. Yes. Anything. That's Something right. that people's going to have a good time at her event and sipping on your product. That's right. Absolutely. One drop left. There you go. Well, I think this is a good time to sign off. Yeah. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. I no longer be redundant. <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> I learned a lot from Mr. Burns tonight. That was amazing to hear, for sure. That's awesome. Definitely. All right. So hold on.